Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. And we developed what many people call uh, parallel parenting, where we really did not converse unless absolutely necessary. I never spoke about um, about my ex in a negative way with the kids. Um, come to find out that that I was spoken about somewhat negatively as as well as my partner. But my kids' parents parent made amends about that about five years ago. And so there is a healing that can happen when you're able to step back and um, and really look at the co-parenting through your children's eyes, not through your own needs and expectations. Welcome to JBD Team Talks with your host, Karen McMahon. During Team Talks, you get a chance to meet our JBD coaches as we discuss challenges and difficulties that are common to everyone facing divorce and provide you with tips and strategies to help you master the art of managing your thoughts, calming your emotions, and intentionally choosing your responses. And now for today's topic. Welcome back to another episode of JBD Team Talks. With me today is Rachel. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you. So happy to be here. You know, today's topic, Rachel, is so vital. We're talking about the business of co-parenting. It is all and only about the kids. That's the title. And this is such an important topic because so often co-parenting continues to be about the relationship between the parents, and that doesn't always go so well. So why don't you kick us off and um, and let's see where we go with this. Sure. So um, I'm really delighted to be focusing on this topic because I think it can be one of the most challenging uh, pieces of divorce because you're divorcing your spouse and yet you, you, you are going to have a relationship with that person for the rest of your life if you have children. And it can be really difficult. It can run the gamut from just awkward and uncomfortable to high conflict. And so many of my clients struggle with this. They struggle with um, either a non-communicative co-parent or constant disagreements about child rearing or inconsistencies between the home. And so I'm just so glad that we're t- we are focusing on this to try to help people um, learn and strategize about ways to make your co-parenting as effective as possible with the least amount of stress for you and your children. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what's interesting is when we just think of it as the relationship, well, the relationship didn't work. And so you can just get caught in that same rut of having the same arguments, having the same judgments, having the same reactions over and over again. And what what we're doing today is saying, let's stop looking at your co-parenting as the relationship and let's look at it like you're entering a business partnership and the partnership is the business of raising these two people which is or three people or how many people it is because that's 
the one thing that is important to both of you, and I think most of the times that can be agreed on, that the children's health and well-being is a priority for both of us. And when you shift it from relationship to a business venture, a couple of things can shift with that. Let's talk a little bit about those those um, perspectives that shift. Sure. So one thing that can shift if, if you are able to do this is a real shedding or releasing of expectations that you have had in the marriage that you may be bringing into the post-divorce relationship with the other parent. And that this is a great opportunity for you to uh, begin to really let go, if you haven't done so already, of past resentments you had with your spouse and habitual conflicts and really hone in on our only relationship now is related to the kids. It's not about a relationship between the two of us necessarily. It's all about being laser focused on the children. And for some people, this is an easy shift. And for other people, it can be very, very taxing and difficult. Well, you know, the thing that comes to mind before we dive into the the details of it is um, acceptance. So if if you were working in a business and you had to work with, you know, the person in the cubicle next to you, um, how they show up is how they show up. And that's what you're working with. And so with parenting, just like how you could... Uh, see and criticize and try and change your spouse in all these different ways when you were together, many of the co-parenting relationships we see are very much the same. He should, she should, why didn't they? I don't understand this complete um, space of resisting how the other person shows up. And and yet, what if you enter your co-parenting business partnership saying, what I know about myself, what I know about the other person. And if I just step into acceptance that this is how they are, how does that change all of the different things that would typically trigger me and cause me to react or judge or complain? Yeah. I mean, if, if that that's fantastic, because if you're able to do that, just like in a business, diversity of ideas is actually a rich foundation for creativity. And so and so if you're able to make that shift, suddenly you may start to see that the, diff, the different parenting styles that you and your co-parent have are not necessarily a bad thing, that actually it provides a, a rich experience for your children as long as there isn't conflict around it. And, it. and it helps the children become adaptive and resilient. And, and it, it let, lets go of the stress of trying to control what the other parent does and how they parent and criticizing them. And it, it's very freeing if, if you're able to do this. Well, because what you just said is so key. So we are most reactive when we're trying to control something that's out of our control. And so that's where we just, we go from zero to hundred and we get frustrated and we're trying to impact a change where we have no agency or authority. And so if, if you do away with that, if you're stepping into acceptance and it's like, however your co-parent behaves and whatever their perspective is just, that's what it is. Um, then it gives you opportunity, just like in business, to be creative about how to solve a problem if solving the problem does not involve changing the other person. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, this is easier said than done. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. But it is in your best interest and in the children's best interest to do this because the ch your children have two parents and their their identity their self identity is connected with both parents and so if they are experiencing conflict with the parents it 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 is internally ripping them and so accepting the other parent and actually perhaps if you're able to embracing 
what they offer to your children is so beneficial for your children. You know, and I just want to say to the audience, just pause here. Um, so between Rachel and myself, we have um, over like 20 to 30 years of experience in co-parenting and uh, both of us having a situation where uh, we really needed to make it the business of co-parenting so that it was all and only about the kids. And so as we dive into the details, um, I think we'll both have some personal stories that we can share uh, to, to make these concepts come alive. Yes, yes. And, and I'm happy to share a little bit. My children, I have three sons. They were two, six and nine when we separated. And in on reflection, I think having more than one child was the beginning of the end of my marriage because we ha we had such divergent views of family and how to parent and so even values around family. And so when we separated that those differences and that conflict was exponential and um after a while, it became apparent to me that less is more in terms of communication with my children's parent, that we that I needed to treat this as a business, that I needed to look at the impact, if any, of my ex's behavior on them from their perspective, not from my perspective. And I realized that their expectations of that parent were in line with what that parent could offer. And so it helped me let go of my own expectation of their other parents stepping up in a way that they simply weren't capable of doing. And we developed what many people call uh, parallel parenting, where we really did not converse unless absolutely necessary. I never spoke about, um, about my ex in a negative way with the kids. Um, come to find out that that I was spoken about somewhat negatively as as well as my partner. But my kid's parents parent made amends about that about five years ago. And so there is a healing that can happen when you're able to step back and um, and really look at the co-parenting through your children's eyes, not through yeah. your own needs and expectations. Yeah, I think that that's just such a powerful statement right there, because if if we go based on our expectations, we just end up back on that hamster wheel kind of going round and round with the same arguments that we were in, went under the same roof. And uh, and a question I like to that I would always put to myself is how important is it? You know, and so things would happen and uh, I might be disappointed on behalf of my children and I really got to the point where it's like, how important is it? And if nobody's safety is in danger and nobody's in danger in any other way, then dad's going to handle things how he does in his household and I'll handle them in my household. And let me just set that expectation for the kids. And I think oftentimes parents are like, no, that's too conflicting. That causes confusion. And yet our children go from classroom to classroom, from sport to sport <laughs> with different coaches and different teachers and different roles and different personalities. And yet somehow when you're too connected and attached, it's like, no, the parents have to be aligned. They can't always be. That's right. That's right. And if, if you were living under the same roof, the parents wouldn't necessarily be always aligned either. And that would not be viewed as a negative thing. Yeah. And I think that the foundation of this conversation um, is that divorce does not harm children. Conflict harms children and conflict under one roof is, is harmful and conflict under two separate roofs is harmful. And so if if your desire as a as a parent is to do the best you can by your child, then keeping that concept that everything you do is child centric and any conflict that you are at the causal point of is harming your children. You want to choose a different path. 
Yes, yes. And and I do want to point out that for the parent who has been, for lack of a better term, the primary parent for a period of time up to the divorce and and whose identity is very connected with being a parent, if the other parent begins to step it up and want to spend more time with the with the child or children, it can be especially challenging for the former primary parent to make this shift from, from being the primary parent to really sharing the parenting and, and treating the co-parenting as a business relationship. And I just want to speak to that because it, it is it is a real struggle for um, some people and it requires a lot of evaluation of their identity and and really taking a look at at their connection with being a parent emotionally. You know, it's interesting that you say that. I don't know about you. I was always a working mom. So even through both of my kids, um, uh, you know, after I got gave birth and had that little period of time off, I went back to work. And so there is something um, when when your full time focus and responsibility is on raising those kids 24 seven and you're that primary person, um, there's 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 a an added level of loss. And I would say that with that can come a fear. It's like as the other parent puts in more time, you know, a fear of losing something else, a fear of losing love, a fear of losing connection, authority, control. Like there's so many things that one could become afraid of losing. Yes. Yes. I have a number of clients right now. Some of them have small children. Some of them have adult children. And they were the primary parent. And and they are watching their children spend more time with the other parent, connect in ways they never connected with the other parent. And they're feeling resentful that the parent other parent never stepped it up during the marriage. And they're feeling enormous loss, um, focusing very much on the loss of time with the children and the loss of that that all inclusive sense of connection. And so I'm working with them on trying to pay attention to the deep, wonderful relationships they have with their children. Okay. And that it is not a necessarily a negative thing that they're finding a connection with that other parent. This right. is healthy for them. And it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. I have a client who uh, also um, young adults and um, and dad has been fairly absent through the divorce and certainly in the marriage, like in terms of the kids to not nearly as involved and really this understandable anger, even at the kids, like, why would you, he treats you like a, a library book, like, why would you go like on the few times you're invited and and for our listeners to really put yourself in the shoes of your children. And when her and I had spoken about her children, um, how 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 it must have felt to be able to go out for a meal, go to a nice place and and be there with their dad, even if it was only an hour or two. And the story that that mom was created was that they were making such a big deal of it. But what if it's simply these are these are the morsels that I'm being offered and and I'm part of that person. I love that person. I want to spend time. And I'm no, I'm, I'm, and her boys had later said to her, you know, I'm no fool. I, I see what's going on here. I'm not drinking some Kool-Aid. And still that person is my parent. And yeah, I want to, I want to spend whatever time I can. So if we could take the judgment out of that and just look at just the love of a parent and child and, and the value of a child feeling, um, wanted enough to sit down and have a meal, then that helps melt away or can help melt away some of the envy or fear that that primary parent has. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of my clients is working on compassion around Mm -hmm. her children 
finding more of a connection with their father. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's really helping her and gratitude for her relationship right. with her children. And and the flip side of it, to criticize your children for wanting to be with the other parent, not only does that um, create conflict and messaging that I don't think any of us want, um, but it it almost suggests to the child that that they're bad or wrong for for wanting that relationship which i don't think any any parent wants to cause that kind of confusion or harm and so i think the best that we can do i know for myself oftentimes i would just take a pause and i check i check myself is this is this fear real um is my envy warranted is the story i'm telling even true um, is is what my children are doing with their dad good is it is it good for them can I be happy for them can I be happy for him um, and you know depending on where you are in your journey I I don't know that I was happy for him in the beginning for anything I definitely there was no <laughs> compassion there was no happiness and honestly there was no forgiveness I mean I was I emerged from my divorce whole but quite messy. And so for those of you who are just beginning to take your armor off, also have compassion for yourself. It's going to take some time after you step off the, the quote unquote battlefield of divorce to let those emotions simmer down. And so having the intention of wanting to be that way, I think is equally as important so that you're, you have that you're pointed in the right direction. Yes. And and I'll be honest judgment rears its ugly head with me still. And it's been over 20 years, but, but I recognize it quickly. And my mantra to myself is Rachel, that's old. You're over that. Get over it. Um, the kids are thriving. Yeah. And I think that to, to your point and mine, when you can start taking a pause and just looking kindly at your own thoughts or emotions, uh, and if you've been with Journey Beyond Divorce and listening, then then this is our ongoing uh, guidance is you you look inside, you slow it down, you challenge your thoughts and you set an intention to always show up as your best self for your kids, for yourself. And and we do the best we can and we're all imperfect. And so for those of you who are like, oh, my God, I wish I hadn't give yourself a pass and do better next time. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's drill down into where these can come up. So so one area it can come up in is when there is a lack of communication. Now, much like you, I was very much the parallel parenting person um, to the point where I started shutting down any verbal communication and leaving lanes of texting and emailing. Uh, open and so a lack of communication or or conflictual communication um, can slip you back into that relationship versus business mode, can it? Yes, yes. And um, I have a client right now who was the primary parent, and now they have a shared equal schedule, and her view of a of a healthy, effective co-parenting relationship is checking in a lot with each other. That is not her co-parent's view of a healthy co-parenting relationship. He really wants to communicate as minimally as possible. And she, she has experienced quite a bit of frustration around that and has worked on lowering her expectation and redefining the communication and and the level of communication to make it an effective co-parenting relationship. So yeah. pay attention to, to what's doable, what isn't doable, and um, work hard at letting go of what may not be doable in, in terms of communication. And if it's simply communicating about emergencies, um, verbally and nothing else and anything else that's really critical around the children through email or text, that's okay. That's still co-parent communication. 
And I think that um, I love the saying that uh, you don't have to accept every invitation to a fight. Um, mm -hmm. And and so I can't tell you how often I would get three and four page um, hostile, blaming, accusing emails. And in the beginning, I probably wrote a two page email back. Mm -hmm. and, but then over the course of time, uh, I could read it and go, OK, uh, don't agree no need to go there, um, not relevant, and uh, and just let it sit there silently without a response. And so, you know, if if you're uh, in a relationship, if you if you're if you divorce someone who has uh, more conflict, a high conflict personality, picking and choosing what's important to engage in um, becomes equally as important as what method of communication am I going to use to engage? And, and then there's um, in the communication part, there's also how you communicate, right? And so Bill Eddy has taught us that you communicate um, using BIF. You, you are brief. That's your B. You are informative. That's your I. You are firm. That's your F. And you are friendly, which is your second F. And so uh, when you do have to communicate, you don't bring in everything but the kitchen sink. You keep you stay in a narrow lane. You're brief, informative, firm and friendly. And then and then you're done. And that yeah. avoids a lot of extraneous conversations that will not go in a good direction. Absolutely. And, and what it's also important. What is the mode of communication that you're using? Because if if your co-parent is high conflict and loves to engage with you around criticizing your parenting or um, blaming you for things. Texting is not a good mode of communication because you it, because those texts will keep popping up and it's very hard not to take a look. And so I recommend to uh, to clients for whom that's going on and they feel constantly jolted by those texts is to uh, create a new email address, give it to the co-parent and only the co-parent uses that email address and then intentionally decide when you're going to take a look at those emails and tell the co your co-parent that you are not going to communicate via text and don't do so with me except in an emergency and to, to slow it down because it's jolting to, to get ongoing, repetitive, blaming, criticizing texts about how you parent. So I think my um, my greatest experience with that was I woke up one morning to 136 texts. Oh, my goodness. And that's when I learned the secret to hiding alerts on my iPhone. So I wasn't blocking him, but I was muting him. Mm -hmm. um, and and of course, one step even better than that, for those of you who are dealing with these difficult co-parenting partnerships, um, our platforms like Two Homes, like Our Family Wizard, like FAYR, F-A-Y-R, where everything can be on a platform, it's documented, it's timestamped, nothing can change. And I believe with Our Family Wizard, they actually have... Um, uh, they have a, a, a gadget that lets you know when your response is inflammatory and it'll say to you, do, do you want to do you want to rephrase that? Which is pretty amazing to, again, keep keep conflict down. Of course, your friends and loved ones deeply care about you. But if you're honest, while they mean well, when it comes to your divorce, they just don't get it. And sometimes you leave those conversations feeling even more isolated. If you're lonely and craving connection and support, check out our high conflict divorce support group, where an intimate group of 12 people gather from the comfort of their homes to hear, see, 
and encourage each other while our JBD team of coaches provide emotional support and practical guidance. There's no reason to take this journey alone. If you've been yearning for support, go to journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash HCDSG and register today. So what is your experience with uh, those platforms? Anything you want to say about that? I'm most familiar with our family wizard. And I think it is an excellent, excellent platform because it confines the conversation um, and it leaves a paper trail. So some, but not all people are a little less apt to use that platform in a hostile blaming kind of way. Um, Some, it doesn't matter. They still do it, but at least it's confined to a particular space. So I I love those platforms. Yeah. I heard, uh, I interviewed, we have in our JB, in our podcast, uh, an interview with our family wizard and with the, uh, the owner and founder of Fayer. I know one of the interesting things Fayer does is they have a GPS. So like if the spouse says, no, you never showed up with the kids, there's actually this piece in the app that can show that I'm time stamping. I'm on the front door with the kids when I was supposed to be. Oh, so wow. yeah. So theirs is maybe a little bit more technically savvy. Both of them have like some great bells and whistles. And I will actually post in our show notes uh, both of those episodes for for those who want to go and listen, because that's really key in the communication piece. Yes, yes. So you said earlier, the other one is a difference in child rearing. I know when my kids were teenagers, uh, uh, dad's house was a lot more lenient than mine. And it was the place to go to bring your friends and get high in the basement and do things like that. And that was one of my big challenges of how do I, how do I navigate this? And, um, and my decision was to, to sit my kids down, not, not go to dad and tell dad that he should be making different child rearing decisions, even though I felt he should, but rather to sit the kids down and say, look, I know this is going on. These are the rules in my house. I don't agree with the rules in dad's house. These are my concerns about certain behaviors of yours. And rather than doing it like bad dad or bad kids, it was more like there's an opportunity for us to have a conversation about uh, alcohol and and other types of uh, drugs that you might be exposed to. and um, and grandpa, my dad being an alcoholic and the impact of that on a slippery slope for my kids. And so I took what initially irritated the heck out of me. And I tried to turn it into the opening of a conversation that would serve them well as they, you know, grew up and left home. That is a brilliant example of shifting your emotional response to your ex's way of child rearing around boundaries and setting limits and becoming entirely child centric so that it was all about a conversation with them and you expressing concerns about possible behaviors that that you've been observing of theirs. Yep. Yeah. Um, Not adhering to the schedule. So frustrating. Um, You know, there's a it's a balance because on the one hand, I think to relieve your stress and to try to diminish the conflict a little bit, perhaps get a little more flexible about the schedule. On the other hand, you can't be on call all the time if if your ex doesn't show up or wants to constantly be changing. So this can be really tricky. I think if you are viewing the schedule extremely rigidly and you have 
a, a co-parent who thinks it's a little more loosey-goosey, it may be helpful for you to, to try to become a little more flexible for your own sake and your children's sake. If you truly have someone who just keeps canceling or you're trying to make plans and suddenly the kids become your responsibility and this is consistent, this isn't um, an unusual circumstance, that's a whole different story. That, that yeah. probably requires talking to your lawyer. Yeah. And and what I tell my clients, because I, I certainly dealt with that a lot, um, and I've had clients that do, is it's really valuable to have a plan B. If you know you have someone who is typically late or who drops the ball a lot, then, and you're making plans and you know, there's a 50, 50 chance that your plans are going to be blown up. What's your plan B? What's your plan B to make sure that, um, that co-parenting partner of yours doesn't have control over your schedule. And I agree with you. There are times where you have to go to back to your attorney, um, if there are other options and so often with parallel parenting attorneys say in the beginning, you need to build all of these things into your agreement so that your agreement is like lock, you know, rock solid. But if you haven't, what are the plan B's? And I had one client who it was, she had, I think two or three little kids. And so this was her chance to get a walk in, get yoga in. And so, she ended up calling on uh, a, a teenage neighbor, like a mother's helper, to just be there just in case, to just bridge the gap so that she could still be on time and have her time. The kids were safe and it didn't have to be about him being bad. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. And and in reality, kids need one stable, dependable parent. And, and remember that by doing that, by having a plan B, by, by becoming a little less rigid around the schedule, you are giving the kids the message that you are there for them no matter what. And the flip side of it is flipping out and um, belittling and berating the other parent in earshot of the kids. And here he goes again. And she always does this. Now we're back to where we started, which is the thing that harms kids more than anything is conflict. And so bite your tongue until it's bloody. And when <laughs> you need to get it off your chest, do not be within earshot of your children. Do it when they're with the other parent. And then you can get it off your chest with your girlfriend, your therapist, your coach, your guy friends, whatever you want. But um but but the rule really needs to be that any frustration or disappointment you're feeling about the co-parenting partner is to um, be shielded from your children's ears. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So and that kind of that that's the trash talking. So and I think that we could each speak to this. I was trash talked. In fact, my my daughter, my kids are in their mid 20s now. My daughter came to me a couple of years ago and apologized. She said, you know, you didn't say anything and daddy would say all of these things. And so I had this. So I, I saw you as the bad guy and I treated you sometimes as the bad guy and and I'm older and I see more now and I'm sorry. And and so you might have to be the bad guy. Um, and just because the other parent is trash talking you does not mean that you should trash talk the other parent. You're child centric. It's all about what's best for the kids. You bite your tongue and you trust that in the course of time, your intelligent children will see what's what and they'll come to their own conclusions and they don't need your help to do that. That's right. That, I love the phrase, keep your side of the street clean. That even yes. if the other side of the street is filled with trash, you don't need to go there and create a trash filled street. Keep your side of the street clean for your own self-esteem and for the sake of your children. Yeah. Best advice. Best advice. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned something about the com competitive or competition. Can you share a little bit about um, what you've how you've seen that rear its head? Yeah, I've seen it rear its head around Christmas time with how many gifts one parent is showering the children with versus the other parent. I've seen competition around who's going to take the kids on the best vacation, 
Um, you know, and it's always material things. It, 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 to some extent, it can be competition around affection, but it is almost always around material things. And that I want, I want to, I want to emphasize that's not what kids really care about. They care about parents who they can feel some level of connection with and who they feel loved by. And so if you're noticing that, your co-parent is suddenly just showering the kids with all sorts of extravagant material things and the kids are sucking it up. It, it It's OK. It's OK, because that that may be tempting for the kids and they may be enjoying it, but it doesn't mean any less of you, because as long as you are continuing to be a caring, loving parent, that's what they need and want rather than now spending gobs of money so that you can be on the same material level as your co-parent. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I would say that, look, if, if somebody dangles a new uh, set of keys in front of your kid, they're going to take the keys and they're going to take the car and they're going to be pretty damn happy about it. I get mean, over I it. Would. Exactly. Yeah, get over it. Just get over it, um, because at the end of the day, as human beings, this is I feel this so strongly as human beings, um, we all want the exact same thing. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be loved. We want to be honored for our uniqueness. We want to be able to share our authenticity and our vulnerability. And all of that happens in the safe container of love and the the car and the Disneyland vacation and, you know, the special ski trip is is nice. But those are memories that come and go and how you are day in and day out throughout the course of your children's life and being a stand for love and safety um, is going to, you, you are going to be drenched in rewards for doing that. Yes. Yes. And we can both attest to that now that our children, yeah. our young adults is, is yeah. how they turned out and how their perspectives have really changed and matured about what happened during and after the divorce. And I would say, you know, um, I, out of everything I've done in my 61 years, I am most proud of my relationship with my adult children and the human beings that they've become through the trials and tribulations of having two very different parents and everything. And so, you know, that's that's where that's where the gold is. That's where the treasure is, not in any material things that that they do or don't have. I echo all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about it earlier, but, but the, but, but the micromanaging, I think comes back down to keep your side of the street clean. Um, if, if you could have had more influence over the other person, you probably wouldn't be divorced from them. So, you know, <laughs> let that go. That ship has sailed. Um, let that go and, and move on. And, uh, and I love talking about take, Take your concern to the children and you and I both, Rachel, I mean, our kids were very young and at an early age, I started having conversations with my children because those were the human beings I could have some influence over. Mm -hmm. So, so take your concerns to your children, help them to learn and understand your heart and what you want for them and behaviors that you may be concerned about stop trying to micromanage, influence, or God forbid, change your ex. Yes, yes. That will deepen your relationship with your children. Right. And, and that is enormous influence that you can have over your children in a positive way is yeah. by having those conversations. Yeah. And when they see you as a safe sounding board and someone that they can that can help them find themselves yes through these yes. conversations yeah um and the financial inequity between the two homes so i i definitely um i had uh i had a parent who even when we were married we 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 would go on these luxurious vacations that we couldn't afford and then we just have a ton of debt that was one of our issues in the divorce and so post divorce no surprise 
the kids went on these extravagant vacations with dad that I couldn't afford and I didn't live beyond my means. And, and that was, that was hard for me. There were times where they would come back and, you know, their memories were amazing and, um, and the child support check wasn't coming because there was no money for that or the vacation. And I had a choice to make in those, I had a choice to make. And my decision was to, um, make me a safe person for them to share the joy and experiences that they had with dad. And, um, and later in years, I remember saying to my son, who was the oldest, like, I feel badly that so many years went by and there was so little bit I could provide for you and your sister in terms of vacations. And the gift that I got was this acknowledgement of who I was every day of the week and mm-hmm. and the impact and power and memory that that had for him. And it was like it wiped away any any guilt, any regret that I had because the vacations were vacations, but life under my roof all week long was something that was met remembered in a very um, fond way. Yep. That's, that's a wonderful story. It's very similar to the competition that we had touched on around material things because every divorce is different. Some there is financial parity between the ex-spouses and some there isn't, and there never will be. And to continue to harp on resenting that, uh, puts the children in the middle. They will pick it up if, if you're feeling that resentment about the other spouse, if they have more available resources to spend on the children and and create wonderful memories with your children exactly. that are all about connection. Love doesn't cost money. Nope. It, it's free. <laughs> yep. And that's really what they want. And and that really, for me, it was less the resentment, but regret. And the regret was washed away with a very um, beautiful conversation. And so don't don't live in regret. You do the best you can and you show up every day doing your best and your kids are going to appreciate you for it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So. um let's let's run quickly through some of the takeaways and and tips that we have uh for our for our listeners and so again starting with that that business relationship that in and of itself so much of what we talk about is shifting your mindset and that in and of itself you're not in a relationship with your co-parent anymore you are in a business partnership and as a business um you're addressing it uh, that way, the the product, the service is the children, um, and and they are what's most important in every decision and every communication that you have. Yes, yes, and I want to emphasize around parallel parenting. Some people feel like like it is sub co parenting. It, it it's it's a diminished way of co parenting. It can be very very effective uh, because again, it's child centric. And you have reduced or eliminated the conflict, which is what's absolutely key for your children, keeping them front and center. They are truly all that matters now. Your relationship with that co-parent, other than a focus on the children, is no longer relevant. That's that's very black and white. And that's a great way to put it. All of the relevance is in your relationship with your kids going forward. And 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 really kind of like we, we want you to take these concepts that you're listening to, pick the ones that resonate with you the most, write them down, post them someplace and really use this to shift any struggle and conflict that you've been facing with your co-parent. Mm. And this is hard work. This is this this is not going to be easy for many people. And we know and understand and appreciate that. And coaching can really help with mind shifts. So yeah. take a look at our website. And if you're interested in any coaching, we have and we have lots and lots of resources. Please take a look and, and see what speaks to you. And we have some new um 
group coaching programs coming up. Uh, and there's going to be a place in the show notes where you can learn about those too. So if you need some extra support, uh, we're ramping up everything that we can to give you uh, the additional support you need to really be successful as you emerge from your divorce and continue to raise your kids. Any last, um, any last comments before we wrap up and say goodbye? Just that you are going to get through this. Both Karen and I are testament to that. And you are going to one day look at your kids and go, wow, what a great job I did and what great children I have. And and it's going to be in your rearview mirror, all of that conflict. Well said. So listen again, um, check out the show notes for the additional links, and we'll be back again with another episode of JBD Team Talks real soon. Thanks again, Rachel. Sure. Bye-bye. You've been listening to our podcast, Getting Educated, Regulating Your Emotional Reactions, and it's been really helpful, yet you know you could do better, be better and you're wanting and needing more support. That's where our coaching service is a game changer. We're here for you when you need us the most, ensuring you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips, guiding and supporting you to be more effective. Our free rapid relief call helps you gain a broader perspective, commit to your best next steps, and determine what coaching support is right for you. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call today. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.